Donuts, you say? Oh, donuts. <laughs> hey, when you get a free donut, you take a free donut. Yes, that's right. Even if you're a dietetic student. Especially if you're a dietetic yeah. student. <laughs> Welcome to the Nutrition Nerds Podcast. My name is Jennifer Ball. And I'm Kelly Yates. And we are the The Nutrition Nutrition Nerds. We both hold bachelor's degrees in dietetics and are on our way to becoming registered dietitians. Each weekend, we'll share the latest nutrition news from popular media and debunk fad diets and food myths. This is not supposed to be dietary advice. If you are looking for dietary recommendations, consult a registered dietitian. Enjoy. Enjoy! Hey there, nerds, and welcome to another special episode of the Nutrition Nerds Podcast. This week, we'll be replaying some of our most popular segments covering fad diets. We'll be discussing the keto diet, the celery juice cleanse, the paleo diet, and a few others. We also wanted to thank our listeners for hanging in there with us while we complete our dietetic internships. We'll continue to release episodes every two weeks on Saturday. Sometimes those may be compilation episodes like this one, or they may be re-releases of our most popular episodes so far. As often as we can, we will release new episodes with new content, covering new research, new fad diets, and of course, debunking nutrition myths. So again, we really appreciate your support, and let's get into the show. All right, so... We had a request to discuss the newest trend in nutrition, which is celery juice. Jen, have you heard of this? Not yet. Ooh. Well, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) The humble celery. Yes. Apparently, people are drinking celery juice as some sort of cure-all magical health elixir. But where did this trend come from, and is there any truth behind it? Is celery somehow really the answer to all of our health problems? Let's see what we can find. I went looking and I discovered that the celery juice trend originated from the medical medium, which I haven't heard too much about, but now I know all about him. (laughs) Way to go, nerd. The medical medium gives advice to the general public, but is not qualified to do so. He's not a doctor or any sort of medical professional. Oh, oh my. Yeah. His medical advice is guided by spirit. And while I am not going to crap on anyone's spiritual beliefs, that's not what I'm here for, I will say that there are many, many stories of people delaying necessary medical care and instead listening to the medical medium for advice. And they have suffered the consequences of that. That's what I have a problem with. Well, uh, yes, uh, I agree with you. I think that that is tragic. There are people, though, um, there's some Christian sects, too, that don't believe in medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just always have to remind myself that that is a choice that people make for themselves, and that's their choice to make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. if they have all the information and they still want to uh, make that choice, then that's up to them. Yeah. So, an article on Goop, a website run by Gwyneth Paltrow, discusses why the medical medium calls celery juice a miracle. By the way, the the medical medium's name is Anthony William. I don't think I mentioned that. He says that celery juice contains concentrated, undiscovered cluster salts that have the ability to support the liver's immune system, bind to toxins, and flush them out. He says these cluster salts rebuild your stomach acid, which he says we are all deficient in. In stomach acid? Yeah, which some people are. Huh. Oh, okay. But I don't know if 
it's necessarily a widespread issue. Uh-huh. Yeah, we usually talk about, like, subsets, like the elderly have decreased mm-hmm. stomach acid or people who take too many anti-acids. Sure. Celery juice is also supposed to strengthen and increase bile production, and bile helps you digest fats. And it just continues. Celery juice can remove heavy metals. Celery juice can restore your central nervous system. More and more hmm. and more. How does he feel about ants on a log? <laughs> no, you have to juice it. And he says oh. you have to juice it because it concentrates everything. Interesting. Yes, um, which I it mean, does. So it's, I, you know, I, I don't know the full nutrition profile of celery, but I just know it's a lot of water. Yeah. And well, well we'll get into what okay. what's in it. Great. But it is a lot of water. Okay. It's Great. mostly just water and fiber. <laughs> <laughs> well, not after you juice it, it's not. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So even the salts uh, are a questionable content. I mean, because I've never heard that before. Well, you, yeah, you haven't because, according to current science, there is no such thing as cluster salts. That was my that was my question. Yeah, he I says like, they're undiscovered. Oh, and because I, oh, of so his, he, oh, oh, because yeah. of his spiritual guidance, he knows that they exist. Yes. Oh, I see. And that that is the power of celery juice, according to him. Well, if you're drinking celery juice, you're probably going to be very well hydrated. Yeah. So that's going to be great. Cause that, that is great. Because water is itself magical. Sure. So, <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I definitely don't see any harm in it. No. Oh, and I did want to say before we go on that when we announced that we were covering this topic on the podcast of celery juice, we got some reactions from people saying that they've tried it and that it really has helped them. In some instances, people have said that it's cured them of their ailments. And that's awesome. We're not here to invalidate that. We're not here to tell you that you're stupid. Absolutely not. You're the expert of your body. And if something as harmless as celery juice is really helping you, then go for it. It's just uh, we want you to know where this trend comes from, the science and evidence behind it, or in this case, honestly, lack thereof, so that you can be informed and make those decisions based on those things rather than just following a trend. Also, to just always discuss this stuff with your doctors. Uh, Don't stop any medications without talking to them first, even if you feel 100% better. We're the nutrition nerds, and we want to give you the science so that you can be well-informed. So this is why it's popular. This is the origination of it. Mm. Yes, So let's talk about the nutrition. Oh, yeah. What's in it besides water and fiber? Um, I found this great article on today.com written by registered dietitian Kristen Kirkpatrick. Woohoo! And she uh, dissected the celery juice trend. So let's get into it. Celery is great. Yes. And it's great because it's a vegetable. <laughs> Hooray! We all need to be eating vegetables. We're the cult of the vegetables. <laughs> I swear. Now, celery does contain relatively high amounts of vitamin C, vitamin oh. K, mm. folate, and potassium. And it also contains antioxidants. One rib of celery contains only seven calories, if you're worried about calories. Uh, it contains half a gram of fiber and less than half a gram of sugar, making it a pretty innocuous food and a great vehicle for hummus. Mm. But will celery cure you of all your ailments and help you lose weight? Eh, probably not. While celery sticks are very low in sugar, celery juice contains 11 grams of sugar per 8-ounce serving because it is concentrated. And while 11 grams of sugar really is not something you need to be worrying about, especially from a natural source, if you're drinking 
what's recommended by the medical medium, which is up to 32 ounces of celery juice a day, that does add up. That's 44 grams of sugar. Oh. Which is a decent amount. Yeah, still, still not added, though. It's still not added, but if you do have a chronic disease, if you have diabetes, mm-hmm. people with diabetes are yeah. following this, it's just something to consider. That's true, because it is still a carb choice. Yeah, and especially yeah. if cause celery juice is gross on its own. Um, so most people add apples or other fruits that just more the sugar. Yeah, that just adds more glucose and fructose, yes. which are sugars. Okay. Right. So, yeah, they're not adding, like, a protein or fat to slow down that amount of sugar absorption either, so... Yeah. 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 Since okay. it's it's just sugar, straight yeah. sugar. Now, I could see someone theoretically losing weight from this because it just depends on what you're, re- if you're replacing it with something, it's possible. Like in, if you are switching it out from a high calorie like milkshake um, <laughs> from McDonald's or um, a Frappuccino from Starbucks and you switch to celery juice, you're probably going to see a reduction because you aren't drinking those things. It's not sure. so much the celery though. It's that you took something out. It's just the, yeah, reduced calories. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's still going to have less sugar than a Frappuccino. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, at least it's not a trend that will kill you. Yeah, it's it certainly won't hurt you, mm-hmm. um, not at all. But it's not a miracle cure, as at least as far as science can tell us, it's not a miracle yeah, cure. Absolutely, because um, no food is a superfood right. in that sense. Yeah, when you see something that is literally sold as a cure all and a miracle, you should be suspicious because there isn't any food that we know of that is a cure all for every disease. Right. Like, yeah. even though we believe that food can be medicine or food can be um, healthcare, like preventative, mm-hmm. I would say that that's still a synergy of a well-balanced diet and not because of one superfood. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because the foods work uh, together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would also say I think it's much more beneficial to have a smoothie rather than juice. I know juice is kind of a trend that's stuck around for a while. And so it can, old. It's like, it's just never, you know, it yeah. keeps popping up. Yeah. And it can be something that you add to your, your diet, especially if you're replacing higher calorie drinks with it. Sure. But if you have a smoothie, you do get the benefit of the fiber. Mm-hmm. You get everything. You're not stripping away anything because some things go with the fiber when you juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the fiber clings on to minerals, right? right? Isn't that what we were discussing earlier today? Yeah. 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 So um, you still get all that stuff. Um, right. Oh, and uh, I have a friend who used to do a lot of juicing. I was like, well, if you're gonna do it, because I, I gave her a bunch of information because mm-hmm. uh, uh, she was curious about it. And I just, uh, I gave her all the info and she still juiced. And I was like, well, you know, if you are doing that, you could at least save like the pulp and put it into a stew. Yes. Or, uh, you can like, bake with it. Yeah, there you mm-hmm. go. Um, like muffins and stuff. That way it's not completely lost and you're not losing those opportunities for nutrients. Yeah, and juicing is more expensive because you have to – I mean, I think he said a whole oh, uh, stock. A stock oh of celery. Yeah. A whole stock of celery mm-hmm. is required to make a glass. Just one glass? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, celery is very cheap, but when you juice yeah. anything, you're going to need to use up more – and it's going to cost you more than making a smoothie. So, you know, just another benefit. There you go. So just if you're looking for nutrition advice or health advice, dietitians are providing all this lovely advice about eating a diverse array of vegetables and fruits and fiber. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. really solid advice. It's backed by science. 
I, I, I just got to say, one of the things that um, I love about this field is I feel that most dietitians save you money in the long run because we, yeah, yeah because we're like, well, actually, if you do it this way, you, you know, get more benefit out of it. Plus, you're not spending a whole bunch of money unnecessarily. It's like you said, one stalk of celery will take one glass. Well, how much do you want to spend on celery? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we just, uh, I think we try to help people, like, considering all these factors, mm-hmm. which I, which I love. Yeah. Well, I also picked an article about a diet. Oh, God. <laughs> Kill, the, Kill diet. the diets. Kill the diets. <laughs> okay. Um, so this one is about the paleo diet. It premiered in Today's Dietitian, and it's by Toby Amador, an RD. So the paleo diet is based off of the Paleolithic era, which was 12,000 years ago. Mm. And just so you guys know, the actual diet would not be ecologically possible today. Right. <laughs> it's just kind of based off of it. Um, in fact, Dr. Katz uh, from Yale must be a huge nerd like us because Yay. he did the math and he said that it would take, if everyone did this on earth, it would take about 15 times the surface area per person. So to grow the food or yeah, oh, yeah, wow. to hunt and gather and all that. So gotcha. we just don't have the earth space. So everyone cannot be paleo <laughs> is the <laughs> story there. Yeah. So uh, we also have uh, genetically modified our plants way yeah. too much, whether it's through breeding or in a lab, like we've just genetically modified our fruits and vegetables. So it's just based off of it. Paleo people eat fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, meat, fish, shellfish, poultry, eggs, and healthy oils defined as walnut, olive, coconut, and avocado. They typically prefer cage-free eggs and their poultry and meats, they want them to be like grass-fed. They stay away from grains, dairy, legumes, potatoes, refined sugar, and refined vegetable oils Mm -hmm. because they believe that the agricultural revolution has led to inflammation and cancer. This is really popular with the CrossFit community. Yes. And let's talk about it. (laughs) Hey, I used to be paleo for several years. How'd that go? I mean, I wasn't unhealthy, but I was kind of miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Not to say that anyone's on the paleo diet is miserable. No, just wasn't healthy for me. But that brings me up to like a quote from this article by an RD, Heather Mangary. She says that any diet that suggests eliminating an entire food group can cause nutrient deficiencies, food boredom, and an overfocus on food. Yeah, I definitely agree with the overfocus on food part because that definitely happens. I hear a lot of people say that it doesn't leave you a lot of options. That's just not true. Yeah, actually, I, I think I found a lot of really great recipes that happen to be paleo that yeah. are delicious and new to me. Yeah. So I don't know if when you're in it, you get kind of tired of it because you're not ever getting like yogurt or a what nice white fluffy potato, but um, <laughs> I can see where the food boredom may lie. Maybe if you're uncreative in the kitchen. That's the or, thing. If, yeah. you, if you're not a good creative cook or baker, then you, you probably will get bored. For myself, I know I don't. I don't think I could give up dairy entirely. So yeah, cheese uh, was one I struggled with on and off. <laughs> cheese. <laughs> In the article, they define carbohydrates. (laughs) Um, Oh, no, carbs. Yeah. So we really have to get away from seeing all carbs as bad. Not all carbs are bad. And big alert, fruit and vegetables are carbohydrates. (laughs) 
But there's also grain carbs that can be better. You know, mm-hmm. it, does, it doesn't have to be about donuts and cakes and white bread. <laughs> donuts, you say? Oh, donuts. <laughs> Hey, when you get a free donut, you take a free donut. Yes, that's right. Even if you're a dietetic student. Especially if you're a dietetic student. (laughs) No, but the right carbs are fiber rich. They supply energy, have vitamins and minerals, and they are satisfying. Mm -hmm. They point out that there's a lot of like ancient grains. Yes. If you're worried about GMOs, the genetically modified foods, or heavy processing Mm -hmm. that our current food supply offers us, ancient grains are things like teff, oats, amaranth, and millet. And Mm -hmm. grains are just one of those things where it's bland (laughs) and (laughs) it's up to you, the cook, to flavor it. Mm -hmm. And we learned that in our food prep class, which I really enjoyed. I guess the other thing the paleo people also avoid are legumes and beans. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I think we talked about this earlier with with incomplete protein. (laughs) Legumes and beans are just also a low fat, fiber rich food. So if Mm -hmm. your body can handle it, it's also cheap. Exactly. It's, it's a cheap yeah, protein. Yeah, it is. So I feel like paleo is like asking us to give up some cheap options at yeah. the store a little bit. Yeah. And I think you you said something very important, if your body can handle it. Mm-hmm. So paleo kind of cuts out all these food groups mm-hmm. just indiscriminately with mm-hmm. without asking, you know, does your body like this food or does your body not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, But if you are lactose intolerant or you don't process uh, grains well, you have celiac disease or you have a sensitivity mm-hmm. or intolerance, then a paleo diet could be a good choice for you yeah, because absolutely. it focuses on whole foods mm-hmm. and no healthy processed. Fat. Yeah, good healthy quality fat. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. They focus on the grass-fed meats, which I think is great. You know, if you can afford it, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, but just to go on it, because you think ancient people ate better than we did, I I don't know if that's Who knows? really... Yeah, like, <laughs> I would love to talk to an expert about what we can know off of their bones or... Fossils but, and, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, what, how much can we know based off of that? If you need a regimen, if you if you want to pick like a diet, I would say it's not the worst one out there. No. But I would be careful eliminating entire food groups, especially if you don't want to focus on where you're going to make up those deficiencies. Yeah, you do have because, to eat a lot of vegetables. Yeah, because dairy is an excellent source of protein and calcium and vitamin D. The other thing is that in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, having these more beneficial carbs, the fiber-rich carbs, does reduce your chance of heart disease and cancer, according Hmm. to their clinical review. Yeah. So it's something to consider. It is very possible to have a a well-rounded, nutritious, complete diet Mm -hmm. on paleo. Yeah. It is more challenging. Yes, exactly. So if you're not super into it, why bother? (laughs) If you want to have rules about eating. (laughs) Yeah. If it works for you, then go for it, just like everything else. If it doesn't, find something else. That's right. Yeah. I was really excited to see our next article in the Academy's Food and Nutrition magazine for this month. It is written by Ginger Holton, and it's called The Ketogenic Diet, A Breakdown of This Popular Eating Plan. And all articles in this magazine are written by dietitians, yeah. which is great. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be a good idea to cover this article because it actually defines what a true ketogenic diet is, its efficacy, its side effects, and how RDs can help people keep safe while they're on this diet. So the ketogenic diet refers to any diet therapy that creates the metabolic state of ketosis. And let's discuss what ketosis actually is. This refers to a metabolic state 
in which your body is breaking down higher levels of fatty acids and using them for fuel. This can be fatty acids from your diet or from stored fat. When fatty acids are broken down, ketones are produced, and when ketosis is reached, these ketones can be detected in the urine. Ketones are toxic byproducts of fatty acid metabolism, which is why they are found in urine as waste products. If ketones build up in your system, it can lead to ketoacidosis, a condition more common in people with type 1 diabetes. This causes a change in the pH of your blood, which is really, really bad. <laughs> yes, it makes it more acidic, mm -hmm. and all of our body's enzymes like a very specific pH in order to function properly. Mm -hmm. If you become too acidic, you can go into a coma yeah. and potentially die. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everything and, stops working. Mm -hmm. So ketoacidosis is way different than being in a state of ketosis. Yes. yes. And uh, usually ketoacidosis happens with uncontrolled type 1 diabetes, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. So now that we know more of what ketosis is, let's talk about how it's reached. A keto diet is high in fat moderate in protein, and low in carbs. The fat content is typically about 80% or more of total calories, while protein is kept at about 1 gram per kilogram of body weight. That is a really high fat percentage. So the current recommended percent of fat in the diet is around 30%, and this is a recommendation for 80, just to compare yeah, it's apples a huge, to oranges. Yeah, huge difference. <laughs> Now, as far as carbohydrates go, typically 40 to 60 grams of carbs are allowed per day from food with a glycemic index under 50. So in that typical diet that Jen was talking about where 30% of your calories come from fat and then 55 usually come from carbohydrates, glucose is used as the preferred energy source in your body. Carbohydrates are broken down into glucose and absorbed by the small intestine where they travel to the liver and are stored as glycogen for the body to use as fuel later. In ketosis, because carbohydrates are so limited, the body is forced to break down fat for fuel rather than glucose. When glucose supplies are depleted, ketone bodies are created from the breakdown of fat, like we talked about earlier, and can be used as an energy source by the brain and nervous system. And what's kind of cool about ketones, and this is why they can be used by the brain, is that they can cross the blood-brain barrier, which a lot of things can't cross. So that's kind of cool. For a good reason. <laughs> yeah, for a good reason. We don't want things in the brain that shouldn't be there. <laughs> this process mimics a fasting state in the body, but provides enough calories to support your energy needs. Potential drawbacks of this ketosis diet include kidney damage, constipation, vitamin and mineral deficiencies, and social isolation. A strict keto diet where you actually achieve ketosis requires close management by a health professional. Now let's take a break from the science for a second and look at where the keto diet came from. What's really cool is that a keto-type diet has been used to treat epilepsy for centuries. In fact, there are references to it in the New Testament. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't, know that. I didn't either. That's an interesting little fact right yeah. there. <laughs> A very low-carb diet became popular again in modern times in the early 20th century to treat epilepsy and has actually been used to treat obesity since the 70s. Very low-carb ketogenic diets became popular in the 90s and are more popular now than ever. 
(laughs) Yeah, thanks to Instagram. Yeah. So let's get back to the science. There really isn't one specific keto diet, and people can enter ketosis with varying levels of carbohydrates, but it usually is going to be less than 50 grams per day. It typically takes 33 to 58 hours for your body to enter ketosis, which is way quicker than I realized. I guess, yeah, I mean... I guess this is under when you're working with a a professional, a dietitian who knows what they're doing, because I just... My perception of it was longer because I see people on social media trying to get into ketosis, and it takes them forever. It's probably no the the urine tests. Yeah, okay. yeah, you can get the strips mm-hmm. because fasting can put you into ketosis. Intermittent fasting can actually be considered a type of ketogenic diet. The ketogenic diet has been proven effective in treating adults and children who have epilepsy that do not respond well to medication although we really don't know why this works. One theory is that ketones may reduce seizures or inhibit neurotransmitter production, release, and uptake. People on a ketogenic diet for epilepsy generally experience a reduction of 50% or more in their seizure frequency. Improvements in cardiovascular risk factors and type 2 diabetes management are commonly observed in adults on a keto diet. Blood lipid profiles often improve through increased HDL, the good cholesterol, and reduced triglycerides, which is kind of interesting that triglycerides reduce when you're eating so much fat, (laughs) but I guess it's because your body is using it. When compared to a traditional calorie-restricted diet for weight loss, greater improvements were seen in body fat, waist circumference, and HbA1c levels in the ketogenic group. Research also continues to support using ketogenic diets for malignant brain tumors, neurological disorders such as autism, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, traumatic brain injury, acne, and metabolic disorders such as polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, looking at all of this, the keto diet sounds kind of amazing, but let's remember that it is very restrictive and comes with some potential side effects. Have you ever heard of the carb flu? Yes, I have. Yeah. But um, go on. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I've heard of it, and I didn't know if it was really a thing, but it is really a thing. In the first four to ten days of the keto diet, you can expect (laughs) symptoms such as dehydration, dips in energy levels, lethargy, irritability, constipation, or diarrhea, headache, muscle cramps, all kinds of stuff. This is all due to electrolyte shifts and dips in energy supply to the brain as your body adapts to its new diet. Also because you're eating fewer grains, beans, fruits, and vegetables, nutrient deficiencies in calcium, vitamin D, selenium, magnesium, phosphorus, iron, and prebiotics are common. That's interesting that iron would be included because if you're eating a lot of meat meat. fat, wouldn't you be getting plenty of iron? Yeah, I would... Uh, that that's surprising to me too. Huh. Because you're not getting and calcium too. If you're eating a lot of again, dairy. Dairy fat, which a how, lot of yeah. Huh. Okay, so on the vitamin D thing, uh, if you were eating a bunch of salmon and like egg yolks, I mean, most people don't get enough vitamin D through their diet anyway. Well, that's true. That's mostly from the sun. Yeah. Uh selenium is found in um nuts, mm-hmm. which is totally appropriate on the ketogenic yeah. diet. Um, and magnesium is also uh, a, nuts are a good source of magnesium. Mm-hmm. 
phosphorus you don't is, need a lot of. Phosphorus is found in meat, right? Yeah. And hmm. that's no. that's interesting. Prebiotics I get because that's fiber. Prebiotics, yes, are from fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Wow. That that is surprising. I would have guessed more like the B vitamins, vitamin oh. C, which I can't believe is not on there. Where are you getting your vitamin C on a keto diet? You don't need a lot of vitamin C. I mean, you do, but it's easy to get. Yeah. It, it's really plentiful. So depending on what your carb choice is for your minimal 50 grams, mm-hmm. you could easily get your vitamin C, RDA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting list. It's not the list I would have guessed either. Yeah. Well, regardless, supplements may be necessary for most people on these diets. Uh, because they are so restrictive, any restrictive diet is going to have some deficiencies. And this isn't exactly a side effect, but keto diets require extensive meal prep and planning, a solid support system, and a well-equipped kitchen. You may have trouble dining out with others, which, like we said, can lead to social isolation. So what's the role of a registered dietitian in all of this? As you might imagine, it's a big one. RDs are a great and arguably necessary source for anyone embarking on a keto diet. Although many people start a keto diet on their own, it is a good idea to consult an expert to avoid dangerous side effects. It's also extremely beneficial to have your blood drawn before you start a keto diet and to periodically have it checked while you're on the diet. Keto really doesn't need to be a dirty word, but it's not for everyone either. Be safe and get some professional guidance if you're interested in this diet. Like with any specialized diets that are restrictive or uh, against dietary guidelines, my biggest question is what are the long-term effects? This definitely goes against convention, but it's exciting to see what might happen. So I hope that with the popularity of this diet, uh, I hope that researchers are collecting participants for a long-term study. Yeah. So that way in 50 years we can see what the results are. And I'm just fascinated to see what's going to happen to arteries and blood vessels and the heart after a while. Well, it's, I mean, it's showing that it improvements in cardiovascular risk factors. Yeah. Which is to say there's just not a lot we know. I know. There's a lot we think we know that may not be right. That's why we need more research. That's right. Yeah. I found this article titled, What is the Lectin-Free Diet in Women's Health Magazine by Christina Yu and Elizabeth Bakarach. And I'm very sorry if I pronounced your last name incorrectly, Elizabeth. Oh, a new diet. Yay. Yeah, I've heard of this before, and I didn't really know what it was, so I was glad to find a good article that interviewed the cardiologist who came up with it, but also some registered dietitians to respond. Great. In his book, The Plant Paradox, Stephen Guntry, an MD, a cardiologist, and heart surgeon based in Southern California, claims that any food with the plant protein lectin is your worst enemy when it comes to weight loss. (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) Kelly's rolling her eyes. (laughs) So what are lectins? Lectins are proteins naturally found in many foods, especially grains and beans. They like to bind to carbohydrates, which help cells interact and communicate with one another. That doesn't sound so bad, right? No. In plants, lectins play defense, Guntry tells Women's Health magazine. They're how plants protect themselves against being eaten. 
By making insects and animals feel sick to their stomachs, lectins discourage them from eating lectin-filled plants again. In humans, Guntry says that eating lectins provokes an inflammatory response, which can lead to weight gain and other serious health conditions, such as leaky gut and irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. Guntry claims that humans weren't intended to eat foods containing lectins. Guntry says he's personally lost 70 pounds on a lectin-free diet, and that he's put many of his patients on this plan as well. Quote, the amazing thing is that when people change nothing except removing major lectins, they start losing weight and they are still eating lots of calories, but we're not storing it as fat anymore. End quote. He cites a 2006 study that indicates that a lectin-free diet can have a positive effect on people with cardiovascular disease and metabolic syndrome. So that is definitely his point of view. Yeah. <laughs> But here's the thing about lectins. They're found in foods that are good for you, like whole grains, squash, tomatoes, beans, nuts, and many animal proteins. And that's just a short list that I gave you. So the registered dietitian, Amy Goodson, responded with, The lectin-free diet takes out high lectin foods, including grains, quinoa, legumes, and those nightshade vegetables, like tomatoes, peppers, and eggplant. The lectin-free diet also eliminates dairy, out-of-season fruit, and conventionally raised meat and poultry. Now, I could see about the conventionally raised meat and poultry because mm -hmm. a lot of people have issues with how that's yeah. processed. And even dairy. Right. And even dairy. And I'm for buying fruit in season. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. Everything in season if you can. Yeah, if yeah. you can. This diet suggests that you load your plate with low lectin foods like leafy greens, Vegetables like cauliflower, broccoli, asparagus, mushrooms, nuts and seeds are okay. Millet is okay, which is one of those ancient grains. Mm -hmm. Gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Pasture-raised meats and wild-caught fish. Goodson and other experts are skeptical about how effective the diet is. Anytime a diet starts to take out massive amounts of food groups, it's a little more fattish by nature and the benefits of eating those whole grains and vegetables, which provide vitamins, minerals, fiber, will significantly outweigh any small amount of leptin that cause GI issues. And I feel like that that's a pretty solid response because most people do not have problems with these foods. Many of the foods with lectins are super beneficial for weight loss, says an RD named Samantha Cassidy. She cites a 2017 study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition linked whole grains with weight loss and Another study published in the same journal found that people who consume pulses like beans, lentils, and chickpeas, which I'd never heard before. Have you heard pulses before? Yeah. Oh, cool. Anyway, they consumed pulses over a six-week period and lost significantly more weight than those who did not consume those things hmm. because you're replacing a high-fat protein like meat with a low-fat protein, and that to me makes complete sense hmm. on why they lost weight. But... Not all RDs are against lectins necessarily. RD Leah Kaufman points out that she has seen weight loss success in patients with IBS through eliminating certain foods within the low FODMAP diet, which cuts out foods like beans and starchy vegetables. Mm -hmm. The low FODMAP diet is used with IBS patients to help find what an irritant food category might be in your system. Yes. The RD Goodson does admit that lectins can be troublesome in high quantities or if you eat lectin-rich foods raw, but 
you're not going to eat like chickpeas or quinoa raw. Uh, Simply by soaking beans thoroughly in grains overnight can reduce the amount of lectins that cause the GI distress. And if you are having issues with nightshade vegetables, peeling and de-seeding them can also help too. And that was a neat tip I didn't know about. I didn't either. Yeah. I also don't think that any blanket thing is going to be right for everybody. And I don't think most people have problems with grains or nightshades. It's just a select few. So if you're just simply trying to lose weight, there's no need to like eliminate these foods from your diet. Another cool thing I learned about lectins is that some are antimicrobial and may have anti-cancer properties. But the research is still a little iffy. And in nutrition, the science is very young. So we have to take all findings with a grain of salt. So if you are having serious issues, I would definitely see a registered dietitian or a doctor, but some doctors may not know as much about nutrition as their training on Mm -hmm. nutrition is very limited. So it just depends on what you're trying to do or what problems you're having. I would say if you're just trying to lose weight, there's no need to take out lectin foods. Yeah, containing foods. Um, So just an overview, lectins are proteins in plants. This California cardiologist first promoted the idea of cutting out lectin foods for weight loss and better health because he believes they cause inflammation and weight gain, but they're found in a lot of healthy foods like vegetables, beans, grains, nuts, and seeds, and most experts agree that people might miss critical nutrients if they try a lectin-free diet, and I would like to add that nutrition is definitely personal, and we have to move that direction. Yeah, it it drives me crazy seeing someone champion such a limited diet for everyone, anyone who needs to lose weight. This diet is very similar to the paleo diet, but it's actually more restrictive because mm-hmm. you're cutting out a lot of vegetables. Um, like, like the paleo diet wouldn't cut out a nightshade vegetable. Not, not unless you needed to. Right. Yeah. And I've actually, I haven't heard of this specific diet, but I have eaten it before. And it sucks. It's, <laughs> it's not fun. And I wasn't doing it for weight loss, but I can imagine if you're coming off of a you know typical Western diet and trying to eat this restrictive kind of diet, it I can't see that happening. That's that's difficult for someone who I don't know eats a normal healthy diet trying to switch to something like this. So. Yeah, I mean, I would, I don't doubt that they were losing weight if they were going from a Western diet to a diet like this. Well, yeah, yeah, but of I just don't see the need to restrict all of those foods. No. I just thinking switching from a Western diet to a more plant based diet would mm-hmm. be enough, and that's not as restricting. Yeah, I can see this being beneficial for someone who has digestive problems because I am someone who can't eat too many of these lectin-containing foods because I have a sensitive stomach, sensitive digestive system, but I can still eat them in moderation. And I think that's pretty common as long as you eat them in moderation and incorporate them into a, you know, overall balanced diet, you're going to mm-hmm. be fine. Right. Yeah. And even like the FODMAP diet is not meant to be long-term because right. it's so li- low fiber, which is, can be very dangerous because fiber is so good for our health. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when doctors come up with these diets without consulting dietitians. And I don't, I don't know, to be fair, I don't know his background on nutrition, but traditionally cardiologists and heart surgeons are not going to have that background. Yeah, because they're specializing in other things. 
Yeah, so. and that's a great thing to be specialized in, but yeah. um, scope of practice. Yeah, we're specialized, or dietitians are specialized in diet. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. In the soapbox. Yeah, right? God, I could talk about that forever. Yeah. This article is from theindependent.com. It's written by Rachel Hosey, and it's called Carnivore Diet, New Social Media Trend Criticized by Nutritionists as Very Damaging. A what? Yeah, go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Several social media influencers have begun promoting the so-called carnivore diet, which is just like it sounds, no carbs, no fruit, no vegetables, just meat. Search the carnivore diet hashtag on Instagram and you'll be met with over 30,000 posts, people claiming that meat alone has helped them lose weight, reduce inflammation, lower blood pressure, and even boost libido. And of course, medical experts are pointing out that there are exactly zero studies or scientific evidence to back up these claims, pointing out that this diet can lead to major vitamin deficiencies. You don't say. (sighs) The carnivore diet has most likely developed from the keto and paleo diets, which are low in carbs and higher in protein and fat. Sure, there are some health benefits to eating only meat. Oh, God. (laughs) You're going to get plenty of protein. B vitamins, iron, zinc, and magnesium. But come on, we know this isn't healthy. Let's examine why. Nutrition professor Rachel Pojnik states that one of the biggest risks of the carnivore diet could be colon cancer, but the data on this won't be available for years to come, if ever. This is because no studies have been done on the carnivore diet, and honestly, none probably will be. Because you can't test something that you think is going to be damaging. Right. And give your patients colon cancer. Yeah. Yeah. It's unethical. Mm -hmm. There is also the possibility that consuming tons of fatty cuts of meat can raise your LDL, or your bad cholesterol, leading to an increased risk of heart disease. And then there's the nutrients you're missing out on. No folate, no vitamin C or E, no fiber. Remember our old friend scurvy? Yeah, you're going to get that on this diet. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. Vitamin C or a deficiency in vitamin C will lead to scurvy, which is what pirates used to get. (laughs) I had a friend in college who basically lived on ramen, and one of his um, more affluent friends used to occasionally come over and bring him an orange and say, here, eat this so you don't get scurvy. Consider it. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. Yeah. Oh, man, I love ramen. I like oranges, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh, you could put the orange in the ramen with some soy sauce. Oh, some wow. sesame oil. Totally like trying that next time. Reduction going on. Okay. Okay. Also, the lack of fiber in this diet means your gut bacteria will be very unhappy. Probiotics rely on fiber as a food source to keep them healthy. Now, let's not forget what this diet has in common with many others. It's heavily restrictive. And really, I can't think of a diet that's more restrictive than this one. Water diet? Yeah, water. But this is more, this is longer. Like, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This type of restrictive eating can lead to disordered eating and an unhealthy relationship with food. And an obsession over body weight. I mean, especially if you're doing this for weight loss. Are you kidding me? Yeah. One 26-year-old influencer states that eating a diet consisting of only beef, salt, water, and bourbon cured her of her arthritis and depression. Now, usually I would say whatever works for you, go for it. 
But this is so extreme and it's obviously unhealthy. Now, it's important to remember that just because a diet works for someone does not mean it will work for you. This is especially true for such extreme diets that eliminate entire food groups. The author recommends that you seek professional advice from a registered dietitian if you are looking for nutrition advice. Yep, I completely agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that happen when you eliminate any food group, well, this is eliminating the other four, yeah. but even if you just eliminate one, what happens is that you're probably eliminating certain vitamins and minerals, mm -hmm. and that food group was chosen to be a part of our diet because it was an excellent or good source of those things. So if you are skipping an entire food group, you really have to try harder. You have to be more educated and look up foods that will supply that in your diet. Mm -hmm. So really, you're creating more work for yourself when you may not have to, and yeah. especially if it's for weight loss, mm -hmm. because there's just easier ways to lose weight. Oh, absolutely. That's not going to damage your butt. <laughs> <laughs> and not to mention, it's incredibly expensive. Yes. I oh, my God. I mean, protein's the most expensive thing in the grocery store. Right. And that's the other problem I have with that. That's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because mm -hmm. most diets are going to have you pump out a lot of money. And mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I will say that <laughs> any student or dietitian who's played around with Nutrition Pro software <laughs> or looked up vitamins and mineral sources from the National Institute of Health has learned that an excellent source of vitamins and minerals is grass-fed beef liver. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the thing is, even though that's true, you could get a lot of benefits from eating beef liver. One, it's going to be hard to find beef that's grass-fed in that way. Most people don't like the taste of liver, and a lot of the people on Instagram that are eating this carnivore diet, that's not what they're eating. No. No, it's steaks and like ground that. beef and, yeah. well, let's face it, like the, you know, more indulgent cuts of meat. Yeah. You would better be eating organ meats if you're on this diet because that's the only way you're going to get a diverse array of nutrients. But right. if you're relying on beef liver for your nutrients, then you're going to overdose on vitamin A. Mm -hmm. So that, there you, you know, go. It's, it's, you're not meant to just eat meat. There's no reason to do that. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah, the, between this and the uh, cricket article, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, I would like a lentil or something. Some, <laughs> some lentil, quinoa. No. <laughs> some uh, maybe lentils and rice or um, some spinach. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. <laughs> really yeah, nice right about now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it for this week. If you want more info on anything we talked about, or if you'd like to read the articles we referenced, you can find our show notes at the nutritionnerdspodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the Nutrition Nerds Podcast. And if you like this week's episode, please head over to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review. Getting reviews allows us to grow and helps us reach more people. So if you have a few spare seconds, we'd really appreciate it. And if there's anything you want us to cover on the show, please drop us a line at the Nutrition Nerds Podcast at gmail.com or message us on any of our social media pages. We love to hear from you and cover the stuff that you're interested in. Later, nerds! This has been the Nutrition Nerds Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, eat, eat well and stay nerdy. nerdy.